You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. I just want to welcome you uh, to Hope Bible Church again today. We're so thankful that you are here, here, overflow, overflow, overflow. Another one I think is being used as well here and all those who are tracking with us in some form online as well. My name is Robbie Simons, one of the pastors here, and just again, we're so delighted to do this together. It's such a big deal. Uh, I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible, if you're able to, and turn to the book of Romans, and uh, I'm just going to be going from Romans 8, verse 31. I'm going to start at verse 31, and then I'm just going to go until we're kind of done. We have no message here at Hope Bible Church apart from the Bible, and so if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. Uh, Lord willing, there should be one there, and if you need help to find where the book of Romans is, go to the table of contents. You can see it there in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, they're numbered there very clearly. Maybe one of your neighbors would help you out if you need to get there too. I would love personally for you to see what's in the Bible so you know where every aspect of this message I'm getting it from because we believe God wrote a book and we believe this book has been changing lives ever since it was written by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's why the name Bible is in the name of our church. That's how strongly we believe about this. So again, Romans chapter 8 is where we will be. And just before we get there, um, I want you to imagine this Easter... I want you to imagine you are someone or you belong to a group of people that were, I mean literally, a group of people or you were someone that was unconquerable, unquestionable, and unshakable. Like I want you to imagine you were someone, you belonged to a group of people that these were your characteristics. I mean imagine the confidence you would have as you knew that you were unshakable and unconquerable. Imagine the assurance that you would walk around with knowing, man, I just, I can't be shaken. But imagine it didn't stop there. Imagine not even that, but more than that, you were someone who you knew forever would be undefeated. You just, you could not be defeated based on your status. That you were uncontestable. People could not question your status. People could not contest who you were and your identity. Imagine you were a person that you knew you were unbreakable. Like I want you to seriously ponder that this is who you were. Think of the peace that you would feel. Think of the power and the conviction that you would live and walk around with as well. But imagine there was more than that. You're just like, man, this, like, how could there be more than that? But imagine you were someone who was unwavering, um, unending, and you had been given unmatched eternal riches. I want you to imagine that you were that person or belonged to a group of people who claimed these truths. I mean, you're sitting here today in Easter and you're like, yeah, that would, that'd be pretty awesome. I mean, if only. If only. It sounds like some kind of you know, superhero from some movie, maybe even better than some superhero from some movie. And you're like, I wish. I wish, Robbie. Well, here's the thing about today. Okay, you could sit there and wish or... You could believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and these things would become more than true for you. Because what I just described right there, we're gonna see in God's word today is the eternal reality for every single person who believes in Christ, listen, and knows and is living in the unsurpassed love of God that has enveloped their soul and absolutely changed their lives and will carry them all the way through into eternity. Now, I need you to listen right now. I'm not exaggerating what I just said. It's not just a clever, nice intro. I'm not embellishing. 
This is exactly the reality for those who belong to Jesus Christ by grace through faith and are filled with the unsurpassed love of God. This is unequivocally the truth of what God's word presents to us today as it pertains to God's love. You say, well, how do we know? How do we know? I just said it. Because we have God's truth in God's word that tells us about God's love. Romans 8, verse 31. Now, a little bit of a warning uh, mentioned right here. I need to warn you, you're about to be drenched and immersed with the love of God. So don't say, I didn't warn you, okay? And you better be further careful because it could very well change your life forever. So watch out as you open up God's word. Romans 8, verse 31. Paul says this. The Apostle Paul wrote this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God the Father, who did not spare his own son, Jesus Christ, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died Good Friday. More than that, who was raised Easter Sunday, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So therefore, notice the conclusion then. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, Christians, believers, we are being killed all the day long, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered by the world around us. I added that in. No, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors, super conquerors through him, through him who loved us. And he ends with this amazing couple of verses. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able, listen, listen, here's the whole point of today, will be able to separate us from the love of God, from the love of God, notice, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're going to unpack today, so glad you're here, we're going to unpack today the unsurpassed love of God this Easter. Let's get started again. I have no message apart from what's in front of us right here, so I just want to point out to you what is here. If we have the love of God, that means number one. Okay, number one is this. We are eternally undefeated. If the love of God lives within us and we are saved by Jesus Christ, this means we are eternally undefeated. Where do you get that, Robbie? Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? So, so Paul begins with, so what shall we say to these things? Now, when he says these things, what does he mean? What's he referring to? He's pointing to the truth that came before verse 31. You can easily argue Romans 1, 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to Romans 8, 30. He's saying it's the gospel. These things, the truth of the reality. If you are saved by Jesus, then you are eternally 
forgiven in Jesus, you are eternally secure in Jesus, and you will never ever die. That is why Jesus came and died and rose again to save us from our sins, to give us everlasting life. He says, what shall we say to such truths? What shall we say to such things? And really directly, verse 30, look at verse 30 there, right? If you have been predestined, then you are called by God. If you are called by God, you are justified, you are declared innocent by God. If you are declared innocent, you will be glorified, you will go to heaven, you will live in perfection forever, okay? What Paul is saying here, if God has started something in you, you take this to the spiritual bank. If God has started something in you, he's gonna finish it. Like, no question whatsoever. If God starts anything legitimately in a person, he carries it on to completion. If you are saved, listen, if you are saved, you are secure. Like there is no better way and there's no overstatement we can make to the reality. If you are alive in Jesus Christ, sins forgiven, you've been cleansed by his blood, you are his child, you will never ever die, you are absolutely secure. Nothing will ever diminish your future reality as one of God's children. Now what is that? It's called hope. I just gave you a huge dose of hope again, again, this Easter Sunday. That's why Easter is about hope. That's why our church is called Hope Bible Church. We are about seeing people have hope in the reality that is only found in Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said in John 14, Jesus said, if I go, die, raise from the dead, ascend into heaven, if I go, I will come back and gather you and take you to where I am. He says, I prepare a place for you in heaven. Jesus has died, he has rose from the dead, he has sent into heaven, and one day soon, any day now, he's returning to gather those who are his to take us back with him to the place that he has prepared. That is hope, that is the gospel, that is our reality. These are these things that Paul's referring to in verse 31. So he then says, what shall we say to such things, such truth? What a great question, right? That's our reality in Christ. That's our security, our hope, our future. So what shall we say to such truths? Look at verse 31. The answer is given. See that there? If God is for us, if God is for us. Now hear that literally, if God is on your behalf, if God is on your side, now how would God be on my side? It's the gospel. I believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. And the Bible tells us at that moment, I'm adopted into the family of God. I literally become a child adopted into his family forever. I will never be cast out. I will never be forgotten. I will never be rejected. I am in the family of God secure forever. God now works on my behalf. I am one of his children. He's a perfect father. If God is for us, I want you to see the crucial word in the phrase that I just said. Can you see the crucial word in verse 31 there? Take a look at verse 31. There's a very, very crucial, very small word, two letters. Very crucial to everything. Notice it's the word if. That's a condition, right? So if God is for us, meaning he will be for some, but that doesn't apply to others. What's the difference? So the word if then becomes both a requirement and a guarantee. If God is for us, the requirement is I am a sinner. I sin every day. 
No sin gets to heaven. I need to be reconciled to God. I can't make it over the valley, over the chasm of sin. I need a savior to forgive me, to cleanse me, that I may be reconciled back to God. If God is for me, meaning I've been reconciled through faith, by the way, by the way, this is so important every Easter, many people walk in here and they think and they've been taught and they think the Bible actually teaches, if I'm a good person, I go to heaven. That's not in the Bible, that is not true, okay? No, no, no one's good enough. I'm not good enough. I sin every day. You have to understand this. Nowhere in God's holy word does it say, if you're good enough, well, I'm better than my neighbor. No, 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 no. We're all sinners. And because we're all sinners, we fall short. But some of you have thought your whole life, look around, I'm not that bad. I'm not it. We'll get to that in a few minutes too, right? But we are that bad. But again, even if we were better than others, it will never be good enough. We must be forgiven. You are not saved by what you do. You are saved by who you believe in. It's believing in the one who is perfect, Jesus Christ. Only he is the one who could die for our sins because only he was the perfect sacrifice. If God is for us, requirement to be reconciled, here's the guarantee. If this is true in my life, then the guarantee is, if God is for me, then I know that God then is on my side. If God is on your team, I mean, think about that. If God is on your team, I like your chances. Fair? Right? Because like, so the God of the Bible, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at all times. He is absolutely awesome. There's no one that comes even close to him. So I love sports, right? Play sports. So I'm sitting there, and if I realize God is on my team, I'm like, hmm, this is, this is going to go okay. Like, like this is gonna be some hard things along the way. There'll be some times of, you know, suffering and, and weariness and fatigue and there'll be ups and downs. But at the end of the day, man, if God is on my team, I just, I, I really do like the odds that are in my favor, right? So, so question, we stop here right now. All over right now. Is God for you? Is God, I want you to honestly search your heart right now. Like you've walked in here today, whatever it is. Do you know for sure not based on what you've done, not based on who you are, but based on faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know that God is for you? Because when the Bible says, if God is for us, naturally then, the other part of that verse is, then who can be against us? So I remember in grade school, there was the times when like, there was two captains and you'd all stand against the wall and there's two captains and they start choosing people for their team, right? And they, you want you and my team and your team and you get chosen, you kind of walk out and you stand on your team, you look there and you're looking up and you're kind of sizing it. How come they get that person? How come they got, you know, whatever. And you're sitting there, well, well, this is what's saying here. God is one of the captains and you're standing up against the wall of life and God's like, you, you're on my team. And you're like, Me? And you're looking around like this, and God, you want me on your team? Like you're you're choosing me? And let me see. And you start walking over towards your captain, and you're in awe. You're just like, he's awesome. Like you start going over to your team and you kind of sit beside God, and you're just like, man, this is pretty amazing. And you start to size up the other team and you're like, yeah, I really do think we're gonna do okay. Like I, I think we're probably number one seed and you find out your captain has never lost ever. You find out he's the creator of the universe. You find out he's the God of glory. You find he's perfect in wisdom. You find there's nothing he cannot do. You find out that he is the Lord Almighty and like I'm on his team. You're just like, yeah, let's go, let's go, right? Because that, that's what's happening. If God is for you, 
and he's your captain, and you are on his team again, I think the confidence level starts to go up just a little bit. In fact, at the end of the day, if God's on your team, you look at the opponents and you're like, it's not even going to be very close. No, we're, we're going to blow them out. Like, there's going to be some complaining and people longing for participant ribbons. But it's not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. We're, we're going to crush them. So, you know, on this note, I, I looked up the greatest blowouts in sports history. And this was at the top of the list, okay? I've never seen this before. But this was, this was number one. I was, you know, I, I like sports. I'm interested. So the number one blowout in sports history apparently happened in 1916. It was a football game. And the Georgia Tech engineers never heard of them. Cumberland College Bulldogs never heard of them. But apparently Georgia Tech headed in for the Bulldogs. This was before fair play. This was before max score. This was before, you know, let's do it. These guys just annihilated them, okay? 222 to nothing. I'm a football guy. So like in the bottom, here. I love this. Some of this will make sense, but the Bulldogs had 90 minus six rushing yards. So that means they went backwards every time. Like they went backwards the whole game. And the other team did not throw the ball once, but ran and they gained 1600 yards. That is astronomical. If you know anything about sports, like this was just, they headed in for them, the biggest blow in sports history. So when we look at this, we're like, wow, that was an annihilation. I'm telling you, it was a beat down. I'm telling you, the reality of the victory that will be found in Jesus Christ when he returns in his glory. And, you know, like for, for, for believers here on earth, well, we're promised this side of heaven, we're promised to struggle, we're promised to suffer, we're promised weariness, we're promised fatigue, we're promised opposition, we're promised the battle. But one day soon, Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, you're going to be there in all your struggle and suffering and weakness. You're going to look up and see him riding in the clouds of glory. And you're going to be like, yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm with him. He's my savior. We're good. That's going to happen. Because if God is for you, then who can be against you. And I just, I want you to think about this in this reality. Again, guys, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. Like it's right here, it's as clear as day. God wants you to know, if you know his love, you will be eternally undefeated. So who's gonna stand against you, honestly? Some, some aspect of culture, some boss at work, some politician, Satan himself? Like, do they have any chance of standing against you in terms of eternity? The answer is absolutely emphatically no. They will, they will be annihilated, infinity to zero. And you will be reigning with Jesus Christ forever. And, and this, this is for those who choose to receive the love of God found in his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, th this is the point of Easter. He died for our sins and defeated death that we might live forever. I, it's a really, really good deal. I highly recommend it. Like it's just when you, when you really look at this and say what is the downside is that you stop becoming God and you admit that he is and you admit your sin and trust in him for, for your salvation and then you have hope and he's like Nathan's testimony, it's, it's just, it's supernatural. It is awesome. It is, it is God's love. Secondly, if we have God's love upon us, this means we receive unparalleled generosity unparalleled generosity. Look at verse 32 now. So the encouragement just continues. He, God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It just gets better. Here's the point. If God has given his son, Jesus, to die for the church, 
to die for sinners like you and me, will he not also give us the smaller things? And again, it's a rhetorical question. Yes, of course, of course. Think, think of what Easter tells us about our God. So many people, they have these false concepts, false teaching about God. They mock him, they ridicule him, they insult him, whatever. They, they don't even know. Easter tells us about God. He is not a stingy, penny-pinching, distant God. He is an infinitely generous, infinitely gracious, infinitely loving God that sent his son in love to die for you and me. Octavius Winslow, he put it this way in terms of Easter weekend. Who delivered up Jesus to die? Not Judas for money. Not Pilate for fear. Not the Jews out of envy. All those things were listed in the Gospels. The ultimate reason that Christmas happened that led to Easter is the Father did it for love. The Father did it for love. This, this is why Easter happened. Again, again, it's the grace of God where there's love, there's grace. By the way, what is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is the gift. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace, again, the love of God results in the grace of God, which we cannot earn ourselves. And what love is this? The text says, he did not spare his own son. Now think of parents in our day, okay? Think of parents. These are all terms. I'm gonna say terms. They're all legitimate terms in the last like even five years, maybe five to 10 years. Helicopter parents, bubble wrap parents, Velcro parents, and I learned this one recently, snowplow parents, removing any obstacle of any kind in the way of their children. We seek to spare our children from every conceivable pain, hurt, offense, and injustice. Like whatever it takes to make sure our kids have no experience, which in the end, by the way, wisdom understands if you protect your kids from everything, it's not gonna help them in the end at all. They have to learn about life, and that's another sermon for another day. Anyways, anyways. but here's God the Father, okay? Here's God the Father. Out of incompetence, comprehensible love for us. The text says, he did not spare his own son, who was God himself. So God the Father sent God the Son to die for the sins of you and me. Why would he do that? Why would he do such a thing? One of the most famous verses in the Bible, maybe you're super new to the church and new to Christianity, you even might know this verse, John three sixteen. Here's why. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And tell you, it is, it is the single greatest act of generosity we could ever fathom. The selflessness of the father, the humility and sacrifice of the son, the generosity of the trinity. It is just incredible. It is astounding. The text says, but he gave him up for us all. Some of you were like, why? Why, why? why did Jesus? How come we can't save ourselves? Right? Here's why on the screen for you. This is, this is why the cross had to happen. Because of our sin, we can't make ourselves right with God. We can't. So Jesus, because we deserve death, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3 says. We deserve death. We needed a perfect sacrifice in our place because you and I can't save ourselves. We're not perfect. Jesus is. So Jesus came to live without sin. He became our sacrifice. We deserve death. Jesus went in our place. We deserve God's wrath because of our punishment. God is holy. Sin must be dealt with. 
Jesus came to bear the wrath of God on our behalf, on the cross for the first time ever, he doesn't say my father, he says my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A symbol, a meaning, understanding, the father as we sing, the father turns his face away, the whole world became dark as the father looked away and the wrath of God fell upon Jesus Christ, the son of God. We deserved that Jesus had to come to take it for us because we could not. We were separated from God because of our sin. Jesus had to come to die on the cross that we have a way back to God which we could never jump over ourselves. He, only Jesus, reconciles us back to God. We were in bondage to sin. Sin enslaves us to ourselves, to death, to Satan. Jesus alone could pay the ransom, redeeming us out of slavery and restoring us back to the Lord. This is why Easter weekend had to happen. Again, what's the motivation of God? Why did you do this? For God so loved. He loved you so much. He loved me so much that he gave his son to be these things that whoever believes in him will never die but have everlasting life. You know, some of you right now too, you might say, okay, so Jesus came to die for sinners and you'll be like, if you're honest right now, you're like, well, Robbie, I don't really think I'm that bad a person, okay? Like, I, I just try to be good. I try to do things I need to do, whatever. And I see people around me. I watch the news. Or there's, there's, some, there's some sinners. But me, I, honestly, I don't think I'm that bad. Here's what you have to ask yourselves. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever looked lustfully at another person? Because Jesus says that's adultery. Have you ever stole anything? Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever loved something more than God himself? Have you ever not loved your neighbor as yourself? Have you ever felt jealousy? Have you ever wished ill upon someone else? Have you ever been filled with hatred? Have you ever judged someone for a position they have that you don't? Have you ever felt, again, bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment? Have you ever made a decision based on your wants and not someone else's? Have you ever again lived a life or a day where you haven't sinned in one way or another in these ways? Have you ever longed for something your neighbor has? Have you ever fantasized about something in a life that you didn't have and you didn't have contentment? Have you ever again wished that you were better and other people were not? Have you ever longed to replace God himself with you because you thought that's how great you were? I mean, I mean, it's like I can go on and on, but the reality is every single one of us in this room understands we are sinful. So no one is ever going to be good enough. Not one sin gets into heaven, let alone the millions of sin we've committed in our lifetimes. I'll be the first in that line to admit that's me every day. I'll never be good enough. Not one sin gets into heaven. That's the problem. We need help. We cannot do it. That's why God loved the world to give his son that he did it for us so whoever believes in him will never die. It's such an incredible truth. How amazing how many reject it, disbelieve it, love their sin more than believing in Jesus Christ. And they are turning away life itself. But today in Easter, here we are today right now. And you are here to understand the unparalleled generosity that is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. This leads us, the love of God keeps coming. It is unbelievable, man. It is so amazing. Number three, unquestionable forgiveness. If you know the love of God, then you have received unquestionable forgiveness. Look at verse 33 now. Who shall bring any, here's a courtroom scene, okay? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, 
who is at the right hand of God interceding for us at this very moment. And what a text of encouragement. I wonder who's here today. Who is under accusation and condemnation, I wonder. But listen, if you have God's love, see what the text is saying? If you have God's love here, who can bring a charge against you? Who can condemn you? You say, well, how is that possible? Again, the setting of a courtroom here, charges are being made, but there's one who stands in your defense if you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who stands in your defense is God himself. It says God's elect here. That refers to God's chosen, God's children, those he has appointed to eternal life. Here's the power, though. Listen, if God declares you innocent, who's going to overturn the decision of God? Who can stand up against the declaration that God has made? That is my child. They are eternally innocent. Who will stand in my way? The answer is, of course, no one. Your forgiveness in Jesus Christ is uncontestable. No one will ever be able to contest the eternal reality of your forgiveness found in the Lord Jesus Christ. How is it possible? Verse 33, it is God who justifies. Justifies means to declare innocent. So I have here, I have this measly little gavel, but for our purposes, it helps a bit of an illustration. God is the judge of the universe. And when God comes down with his infinitely more impressive gavel and infinitely more beautiful and large gavel, but he comes down in the courtroom of life. See, everyone's gonna stand in this courtroom at the end of our lives in one way or another and have to give an account to God. And God's gonna be like, hey, why don't I get you, why should you get into heaven? And and all that good person stuff is not gonna work. It's not gonna work. Because we have sin, right? So people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. he's like, not me, but, but you got sin. Like I just, and it's guilty. But you have Jesus Christ stands beside you and Jesus Christ says, I take on, I take on Robbie's sin. In fact, in fact, Father, I want my righteousness to go on Robbie. I want Robbie's sin to go on me. God looks at you and he's like, innocent. Now, now, what about the lust? Innocent. What about the greed? Innocent. What about the hate? Innocent. What about the bitterness? Innocent. What about the selfishness? Innocent, 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 innocent. Because Jesus Christ paid for every single sin we could ever commit. We stand there. So who then, who is going to condemn? Who will bring charge? At the end, when Jesus Christ is in your defense and your sacrifice and savior, God will say, does anyone bring a charge? And it'll be the most beautiful silence you have ever heard. Just, no one will dare to bring a charge because God himself has brought down the decision. You are innocent and that will never, ever change. This declaration of forgiveness will never be overturned. Now, until we get there, the critics will try. The attackers will try. Our enemies will try. Our flesh will try. The demons of hell will try to charge us and try to discourage us. But in the end, in Christ, in Christ, all accusations will fall and fail. Listen, listen, loved ones, listen. This is the power of Easter. This is the glory of the good news in Jesus Christ. Because you look at verse 34 now. Who is to condemn Christ? Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised at the right hand of God, interceding for us here. You see what's happening here? Jesus died to take on sins. More than that, he was raised. Why is is Easter Sunday so important? 
if there wasn't a resurrection, our faith is in vain, the Bible tells us, because the moment Jesus is raised from the dead, that guarantees the Father received payment for our sin. If Jesus wasn't raised, our sins weren't paid for. But because they were paid for, he's raised from the dead, proving that. And when Jesus is raised from the dead, he guarantees defeat of death. He guarantees the defeat of Satan. He guarantees for all those who believe in him, we also will live in victory for eternity from sin, from defeat, from death, from Satan himself. That's the power and that's the glory again of Easter and the resurrection. Jesus then ascends to heaven where he is right now, sitting at the right hand of God, awaiting his return in the supreme position of authority. He is interceding. He is praying for his children, guaranteeing our salvation is what that says right there. His ascension proves the payment. His intercession proves our salvation is secure. So church, church, listen, listen. Who will condemn? Who will condemn? When you are immersed in the love of God through Jesus Christ, there's no one that will ever condemn. Let me ask you, man, like in all seriousness, these are the most important topics you will ever hear in your entire life. Do you know the love of God? Do you know that you know that you know that the love of God lives in you, that Jesus Christ has saved you? You see, like, how clearly the Bible is telling us here, man, when you have Christ, your forgiveness will never, ever be questioned. You are secure forever, not because of what we've done, because of what he has done. Leads us to our fourth and final point here. The love of God means, listen, it just gets more and more encouraging, unbreakable, unconquerable, and unfailing love. Unbreakable, unconquerable, and unfailing love. Look at verse 35. See where he's going with this, man? Just loading up the encouragement, the reality of God's love. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Of course, the answer is nothing. What about tribulation? Nope. What about distress? Nope. What about persecution? I mean, there's, there, are, there, there are Christians all over the world right now today that are suffering severely for their faith. There will be Christians who will die today. They will be executed because they believe in the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ across this world today. And it's been happening ever since the church began. Will that separate them from the love of God? Will tribulation, distress, or persecution? No. Nothing will. In fact, the moment a Christian persecuted dies, they enter into life itself, eternal life with Jesus Christ. This is why genuine believers aren't afraid of death. They're not afraid of death. What's to, what's to be fearful of death for? Death has nothing. Death, where's your victory? Because of Easter. Death, where's your sting? Gladly receive death because then I start to live. This is the power of faith in Christ. Then what about this? Shall famine and nakedness, and danger, and sword? What about the circumstances of life? What about the trials of life? What about when we go without? What about things happen? What about pandemics? Will that separate us from the love of God? Nope, nope. Not even the sword being executed. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. Like, look at that. Paul's quoting a verse in the Psalms here. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Hey, I'd be unfaithful to you right now, if I didn't warn you that Jesus says, if you're gonna seriously believe in Jesus Christ and believe that he is the author of salvation and grants you eternal life, I would be dishonest with you if I didn't tell you he promises that path is narrow, it is hard, and few find it. 
He says the way of the world is wide and easy and it leads to destruction. I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't tell you Jesus is so, so clear. To follow him, life gets harder. It just gets so much better. My testimony is 22 years of living life Robbie's way. Ended up in a total train wreck. Gave my life to Christ. Listen, never been the same again. Life has life has been much harder, but it has been infinitely better. Infinitely better. And that's what we're learning right here because nothing will separate you from the love of God. Look at verse 37. Here's the answer. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Literally hyper conquerors. Super duper conquer conquerors. Through notice, through him who loved us. See, see, the result of being a, a, a conqueror is not us. It's him. It's his love in us. And then he says, verse 38, for I am sure. Let's stop right there for a second. I am sure. Question. Are you sure? Are you Paul's, Paul's certain that nothing will separate him from the love of Christ. If you were to die today, where would you go? Again, one of the most important questions you'll have to think about and answer. Um, the world just um, distracts us and we get drunk with the things of the world and we never stop long enough to sit there and say, listen, this life has to be more than just making money and die. It has to be more than that. And trying to be happy a few days in between. If you died today, where would you go? And how do you know? How do you know? Is there any doubt? For, for, for a lot of us here right now, they're, they, we're not sure. We're not sure. And I have tremendous grace for that. Listen, you can be sure. You can be sure of what? Notice. You can be sure that neither death, again, death is not to be feared for the Christ follower because death's been defeated, nor life. No matter what happens in our life right now, no matter what circumstances come against us, nor angels, nor rulers, nor any kind of supernatural powers that may come against us, nor things present. There are no circumstances I am currently facing that will separate me from the love of God, nor any future event, things to come, that also will separate me from the love of God. There's nothing that can happen. The stock market can crash. The world can literally and wars can break out here in this nation as well as beyond. Nothing, nothing ever will separate me from the love of Christ. No powers, no human dictators, no tyrannical rule, no terrorists will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, nor height, nor depth. Nothing that comes from above, nothing that comes from below, nor anything else in all creation, Paul says, just to cover every single base ever, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. I ask you, if you died today, where would you go? Where would you go? See, the answer, the answer to salvation, the answer to having God's love, I want you to notice the last five words in our text. They are massively important. Notice, ready? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at that the only one who can save, the only one who sets us free, the only one who can redeem and ransom, the only one who can be our sacrifice, the only one who can give us hope forever, the only one who can save us from death and Satan's grasp in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do I do? Belief. 
Stop trying hard. Stop trying to be a good person. I can't, you can't. Believe. Believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Believe he died for your sins. Believe he rose from the dead. Believe that he is the Son of God soon to return. Believe that he is the Lord of glory. Believe that he is the one who wants to set his love upon you in a way that will transform you forever, that you will never, ever die again, and you will have purpose and assurance and victory and salvation that will never, ever, ever be taken from you. Receive the love of God, and you will be changed forever. From from this side of my salvation, I say this, I, I just implore you today. I implore you. Why would you not want this truth and this love upon your life? A couple reasons why you wouldn't. Unbelief, pride, and because you love your sin. You confess those, and all of a sudden, the love of God is yours. Forever. Again, I, I really, really think it's a good deal. You should take it so, so seriously this day. You were not here by accident. The love of God is all over the place. God, help us. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Father, I pray you are saving many even right now in Jesus' name. I pray you are opening eyes. Lord, I understand and we understand. We, thousands of prayers have been offered to you this week. This church longs for people to know the love of God and love of Christ. So many have shed tears of prayers for you. Please, oh Lord, would you let people see. Lord, we've done our part. You must do yours. You must do yours now, Lord. We can't save anyone. That's what you do. So I pray you would. I pray today would be an absolute turning point and life-changing day for so many here in the multiple overflows. Those who are watching online right now, I pray there are people filled with tears in their eyes that are encountering the love of God for the first time ever. Jesus Christ died for me. Jesus Christ set me free. Jesus Christ, how can it be? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, we love you. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for the opportunity, the power, the beauty. Thank you for songs that let us sing the very truth we just heard. We do that now. In Jesus' name, you can, let's stand together. Let's sing loud.